You're listening to The Word here on Ujima Radio 98 FM. I love that track. That's one of our power play tracks by Ace Brown, and it's called Shout Out to Bristol. Absolutely loving it. Awesome, awesome track. Okay, so my next guest on the show is from the British Society of Gerontology. Now, if, like me, you don't know what that means, don't worry, because we're going to find out shortly. And we met because Ujima Radio has been working in collaboration with Bristol Aging Better on the Age Friendly Fund. And Bristol Aging Better for the past six years has worked tirelessly to make Bristol a more age-friendly city which until about a year ago I would never even have thought of as a concept or or, you know something to even consider. So welcome to the word Gary Christopher from the British Society of Gerontology is that right? It is indeed thank you yes. Okay (laughs) tell us exactly what it is that you do and who you are. Well gerontology if I start by explaining what that is it's um it's a scientific study of old age, basically, and okay. it's about the processes of aging, problems associated with being older adults, so physical, mental health problems, social aspects of it, anything to do with aging and the implications on behaviour, really. Okay. And so why has that become important to us? Well, it's I suppose the whole idea is knowledge is, is empowering, I suppose. Yeah, it's, it's, of course. One of the things which we come to in a minute, which is about the confidence, is the idea about transitions between different parts of people's lives. So when you get to older age, then there's important changes in terms of your functioning, your well-being, that type of thing. So it's how to better deal with the challenges. And um, you know, people are already talking about the hundred-year life in the literature. And so um, in this idea about living longer and living uh, healthily. Okay. If that's a word. Yeah. No, I hear you. So basically, <laughs> if we look back, sort of you know to last century people didn't live much longer than 40 is that right yeah yes you know people yeah people used to you know die a lot younger and also the fact that old age was tend you know tend to associate old age with you know various ailments and things like that whereas people are growing up in their current generation you know future generations are thinking okay i'm going to live a longer life but i'm also going to live that life without any chronic conditions being in good health being in good mental health so changing expectations Okay, so we are basically experiencing a growth in population in older people. Yes. So we have to be prepared for that. Yes. Okay, okay, so I understand now, I understand. So what what attracted you to sort of go into this area? Why did I go into it? Well, I, yeah. I suppose when I first started, I started by volunteering in memory clinics and quickly, you know, my research is all around memory problems and specifically around dementia, for example. Well, my grandparents had dementia, so I was kind of interested. It was an emotional time, obviously, but it's, you know, it's an interesting time in terms of what the, the brain, what happens to the brain and memory. So that really got me into the whole thing and led me to write a book on aging, which, again, sort of all of this getting involved with local and national charities and organisations kind of led from that, really. And you have specifically studied, you know, what the sort of nostalgic memories can mean and what that can trigger in an old person. Because memories obviously are very powerful. Yes. And we forget them. So how how does it work? Well, nostalgia is a is a is a is a bit of a weird one. It's it's been defined different ways across across the years, really. I mean, it's the closest you can link it to is around reminiscence therapy so there's a lot of stuff around reminiscence therapy but there's little evidence really that it's effective so one of the things that we're arguing is you know it's having a very very specific memory that's positive it's linked to you it's positive and you there's specific triggers so it could be a particular sound a particular smell a taste something that brings back a a really powerful emotive memory 
and I understand that it can be quite different for different ethnic groups. Yes, if you think about it, then you know one of the things that we are hoping to explore. It's a perennial problem with research. You know, a lot of the time, you, you're researching quite what we call homogenised groups. Are so usually white middle class blah blah blah. so what we're needing to do with something like this is and in all streams of research is really is is look at diversity across different groups so in something like nostalgia you know for example i know i, I spoke to andalois chacon from the bristol black cows she she re 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 um, told me about the story about how important food is in a, in a from an afro-caribbean context so it's it's trying to find appropriate ways of trying to trigger these really really fundamental memories that are protected by things like dementia. So is that, I mean, dementia is something we are hearing more and more of. Is that because there is more of it or is it is the chicken and egg thing? Is it because we're diagnosing it and understanding it sooner? Or do you think it's something that's becoming more prevalent? There are, I mean, it kind of depends where you look. But there does, I mean, the fact, the, the unfortunate case is the longer people live, age is a real risk factor for dementia. So it doesn't mean you get to a certain age you're going to develop dementia it's the fact that you as you get older you are going to be more likely to develop dementia so it's just endemic as a part of the yeah. aging population yeah. but there is more awareness around it so people are talking about it but still people are still you know incredibly fearful of the whole word and actually you know how do you actually approach people you know do you have enough confidence to actually think uh, accept that maybe having problems and then do you go and speak to someone about it so it's it's still still issues of stigma around it aren't yeah. there and mm. i think maybe just the sort of lack of understanding of what it is and whether it's a mental health issue or whether it's a physical issue it's fascinating and just last year underneath where we are here in the station in broadmead they filmed a series for channel four called the restaurant that makes mistakes and at first, when I heard about it, I was really like, well, why are they making a film about people who are going to struggle to, you know, work in a restaurant? It did, do you know what I mean? I was a bit mm. like, mm, I'm not sure if this sits <laughs> right with me. But actually, it was done incredibly well, incredibly sensitively. Mm. And it looked specifically at younger people who'd maybe been diagnosed and then sort of struck off and couldn't work. And it was almost like their lives had come to an end. Yes. But with the help of studies and research some of what you are doing it's creating new opportunities for people and i know that one of your studies is on mindful coloring yes what does that mean so one of my colleagues at, at ue uh, nicola holt she's basically run a study with with students to show that coloring in patterns you know it, it gets people's it focuses people's mind so one of the things that you they, she found among students was it improves their concentration also improves their mood their sense of sort of well-being positive emotions so we had a conversation in the corridor and I said, oh, you know, this would be great to look at in older adults and also in, in people with dementia. So that's what we're, current, we're currently collecting data on that. So the idea is, you know, it's something cheap. Again, you can buy books in hospitals around mindful colouring, but again, the evidence for it is lacking. So we're trying to show whether you can actually say, yes, it improves people's concentration or yes, it improves their mood. So yes, that's what we're, we're currently collecting Wow. Right, yeah. So, so there's so many different areas to it as well, isn't there? Mm -hmm. And we kind of came across each other at an event that Bristol Aging Better were doing to sort of about the age-friendly fund, which is something... I mean, Bristol Aging Better, just to give a bit of background, have been going for six years, an incredible organisation that basically looked at making the city more age-friendly. And they've funded and worked with an incredible amount of people. What's your involvement with Bristol Aging Better? Well, my involvement is really more peripheral at the moment. It's I'm actually... I actually work partly with 
Age UK Bristol and also Brunel right. Care. But a lot of my colleagues in public health at, at UE, they're actually evaluating the Bristol Aging Better project. So one of the things about the yeah. gerontology conference is that there's going to be a whole session around know what actually came out of this Bristol Aging Better, the, the BAB project. So that's oh, amazing. So that's going to be, it's actually timed quite nicely because that, it's that's coming great. to an end. Yeah. So we'll find out a bit, a bit more about that soon. We're going to have to take a break for the news. But on Monday, actually, we're doing a special uh, Baba show. The Baba show on Ujima is for older yes, people, produced yes. and presented by older people. And we're going to kind of pay tribute to the whole Bristol Aging Better organisation and everything they've done over the years, which is phenomenal. And I just hope the legacy of what they've done continues. Okay, yeah. So it's great. So you guys have a massive annual conference that's actually going to take place in Bristol this year mm -hmm. so we're going to find out a little bit more about that are you alright to stick around? Absolutely yes Brilliant thank you. We're speaking to Gary Christopher who is from the British Society of Gerontology. We're going to find out a bit more about that after we've been over to the BBC for the latest headline news you're listening to The Word on Ojima. Oh, you can never get enough, Omar. Oh, love it. That's a track called Doobie Doobie Doo here on The Word on Ujima Radio. My name's Miranda. Good afternoon to you. Welcome back. I'm here through till six o'clock this afternoon. Hope you're going to stick around and join me. And we'll welcome back to the show Gary Christopher, who is from the British Society of Gerontology. Good afternoon, Christopher. I mean, Gary. <laughs> <laughs> I'm used to this. <laughs> I was just telling him how tired I was in the break. But anyway... We were talking about, you know, all the aspects of uh, the British Society of Gerontology, what they do, and you have an annual conference coming up this mm -hmm. year. Yeah. It's taking place in Bristol. How it's, come Bristol? Well, um, it's largely because I, I was quite enthusiastic about, and I know we do a hell of a lot of work in Bristol around ageing, and, you know, UE and U University of Bristol, I thought it'd be fantastic, and, such a, and it's such a diverse and international city. I think what an amazing opportunity. It's, you know, it hasn't been held here for... I think a decade, I think, apparently, okay. roughly, yeah. Wow. Okay, so what, what's the premise of the conference? I mean, who, who goes and, and what happens? Well, it, I mean, the British Society of Gerontology is a charitable organisation and it's, okay. it's looking after or represents professional gerontologists across the UK. But it's basically the conference is open to largely academics, healthcare providers, charities, organisations, but members of the public as well. There is a, a fee for this conference, so it doesn't always make it accessible. Right, okay. <laughs> so, yeah, it's mainly academia and people perhaps working in the areas of you know age um, but yes. it is open if somebody is, is listening yeah, yeah. today and thinks oh I really want to go because there's some amazing key speakers that are going to be there yes. uh, tell us a little bit about who's going well the actual conference is, is themed the theme is ageing and sustainability in a time of transition so right. it's kind of topical now who have we got I've got a terrible memory I must admit so <laughs> we've got well, I've just been I looking. I shouldn't laugh, should I? <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> no. <laughs> We've got one of the big speakers from California coming over, uh, Meredith Minkler. She's going to be looking at growing social and economic inequalities. We've got some local people as well. We've got Glenn Lyons from UE looking at mobility issues in the future. Ian Craddock from Bristol University looking at how to apply technologies and also we've got another local person Praminda Caleb-Solly who's at the Bristol Robotics Lab which is at UE so she's looking at assistive robots in social care. Yeah well do you know what funnily enough I've been up there and seen them so some a few years ago Silas was inventing the Mechamon he invited me and my son to go up and have a tour of the laboratory and it was at that 
that time they were just working on the caring robot. Yes. Basically, it's phenomenal. Absolutely incredible. Some of the other stuff they're working on that is mind-blowing. It is. So to see how they can get a robot to replace a carer is amazing. How far away do you think we are? Do you know enough about it? There is... And what you mean, what, again, what you find is there's a whole research area looking at what they call doll therapy. So it's in, it doesn't necessarily have to be an, an interactive robot, but it could be something that has like an attachment. Maybe like a, it actually resembles a human child. So often that someone with dementia, for example, when will have positive feelings towards it because it resembles a child. They don't necessarily get confused as it being a real child. But so it, that helps with things like agitation and, and, and other sort of problems of anxiety but yeah in terms of rob- robotic care assistance then the work is just incredible and it's you know it re- reminding people to take their medications it's a way of kind of interacting and monitoring people picking up on their mood some robots are able to pick up on people's moods and activity levels so if they're, wow. if they're not moving around they can be prompted or they can say you haven't had enough water today or you know it's amazing that is phenomenal isn't it mm. absolutely incredible something we mentioned earlier is the sort of the growth of the population of older people and when i was living abroad what i found quite shocking really was the reaction of people when they understood uh, realized that so many old people end up in homes here you know we live in thailand they they would not ever ever consider putting one of their family members into an old people's home why do you think and they were shocked and appalled you know why do you think that's happened and we've got that you know so it's, it's such a different culture here in the uk isn't it to mm. other cultures well i mean this is the thing you know you use thailand you know, in, in china for example they aspire to lead a long and healthy life and they see that their children being the enablers for them to do that so but i think the problem is because of things are changing globally because of demands around jobs and industrialization so people are moving away from these traditional communities and you know so that structure is changing slowly unfortunately in some of these you know Societies like well, China. that's what it comes down to, isn't it? At mm. the end of the day, if somebody's having to work full time, mm. how can they then take care of a family member? And mm. we're losing that structure of family and community. And it is, it is a shame. It is a shame. But uh, another thing that we briefly touched on is that in Bristol, I've got some stats here, 16% of residents, 73,500 people, live in the 10% most deprived areas in England, including 75 thousand older people these statistics from bristol city council by the way and some of them are just hot spots and therefore our elders in these communities are more at risk particularly from the bme communities and they're disproportionately affected by loneliness in later life how what can we do about this i think this is a problem with you know most of the problems with research again it's because it's it's quite up until re- relatively recently, it's been a disproportionate number from BME communities being involved in research. So it's really needing people from these groups to be partly co-designing research to make sure that we're measuring the right things. You're hearing their voice, being sensitive to, for example, religious uh, beliefs and spirituality, all of which would feed into a care p- program, for example. And you know, often people don't take up care or take up NHS services because they fear that you know. It's not going to actually match their. It's not going to be culturally sensitive. Right. So that's why people maybe hold off. Yeah. And um, you know, there's real issues, especially in terms of you know, dementia. Again, if people you know hold off getting a formal diagnosis, the impact is quite dramatic. Really. Perhaps people are listening today, whether it's somebody that's affecting themselves or a family member, and they think that you know they maybe need some help. What's the best route to go down? 
Well, I think it's the user protocol really is is GPs. I mean, the, again, it's it's just, it's just getting to the point of actually thinking. You know, I, I need to speak to someone about this in a more of a, a sort of healthcare setting because in some sometimes, you know, like I say, people, different cultures have different words for dementia. Some cultures yeah. don't even recognise the, the word dementia. So, yeah. and often support is provided or that they, they go for support in community who maybe aren't dementia specialists. So in, in which case, you know, people are falling through the gap in terms yeah. of potentially being open to care, being open to treatments that might, if, if it's actually takes place early enough it would have a much more beneficial effect and also if we think about the sort of current climate of ageism and the mistreatment of bme elders look at mm. the windrush scandal look at what's going on at the moment you know i can see that it must be very hard for people to to step forward but i guess what i do like and appreciate from the bristol aging better and the age friendly fund is the positive promotion of the experiences and contributions of the BME elders to our city, you know, and everything that they have done, you know, look at the Bristol bus boycott, which sadly out of Bristol, Bristol is hardly known or talked about. It's our own Rosa Parks story. You know, it's incredible. Mm. The influences our elders have had on our society and British culture today, you know, is something that is, 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 is really important and really relevant. So I think the work that you're doing is phenomenal. And I know that you've got some other work you're involved with. There's another conference coming up in Bristol. So I hope you can tell us a little bit more about that. Yes, it's it's coming up. It's actually a, coming up in the sort of late June. It's going to be a free event and it's it's more local. So it's, it's looking at predominantly research we carry out at UWE around ageing. So it's going to be a free event. There's food. There's a budget for food. So I kind of go over a little bit over the top with the food. So, you know, and it's open to anyone to come along. We welcome, you know, we don't just want people from your <laughs> university. We want people from the community to be coming sure. along as well, because it's, yeah. again, it's important to kind of get people's well, we could get the word out. So there are organisations like the Malcolm X Elders Forums, Bristol Black Carers, Golden Ages, Bristol Somerset Chinese Women's Group, you know, lots of incredible organisations like that, who a lot of them have been funded by Bristol Aging Better as well. And without, you know, the the what Bristol Aging Better have done over the past six years wouldn't exist. So, you know, I just hope the legacy of uh, Bristol Aging Better will continue mm. over the next few years. I think the work that you guys are doing at the British Society of Gerontology is amazing. And Gary, and long may it continue. Thank you for joining us today. If anybody wants to get in touch, can I just Google what British Society of Gerontology? Or yes, yes, yeah, yeah. fantastic. Gary, thank you so much for joining us. Thank you. Come back soon. Thank you. Thank you. So that was Gary Christopher, uh, indeed, from the British Society of Gerontology, BSG. So big thanks to him for coming in, and I'm sure he'll be back soon. You're listening to The Word. My name's Miranda. We're taking a bit of a break. Don't go away. We'll be back soon.